Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Thomas Frank. Thomas Frank is a political analyst, historian and journalist. He is author of People, No! A Brief History of Anti-Populism. In this book he examines the origin of the term populism in the United States and discusses historical examples of populism, its adherents and detractors. Now that Under the Skin is on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review there. It helps us and we will read them out. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all my weekly episodes of Under the Skin, all you have to do is subscribe to Luminary on Apple Podcasts or download the Luminary app. In this part, we talk about the history of populism and how it formed. What's that, the first part of the podcast, Jen? It's like uh, 10 minutes in, roughly. And he talks about his little history and they're yeah, all farmers and stuff a, like that. Yeah, they're on a train. It's a good thing to learn about because if you're thinking there is no political movement in the world at the moment that's going to change the world, have a listen to what happened in the country of the United States of America not long ago and what the intentions were. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. You talked about the uh, the agricultural populist movement that I think coined the term populism. Yeah. One of the things I'm interested in is how populism has come to be a kind of dirty word. And do you think that's an indication of this uh, abiding loathing that the professional class has of ordinary working people? Oh, do my you... God. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. It became a, they made it into a stereotype. They took the name of a really of 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 a, you know, of a. A, a brave and even noble movement, the people who made the made up the word and turned it into a, an insult. Uh, and uh, um, so this has always been, I mean, just to take a few steps back, um, populism has always been a, a, a subject, a sort of an obsession of mine because I'm from Kansas. This is where I grew up. And it was a movement that uh, back in the 19th century, Kansas was uh, was a pretty radical place. Uh, was always signing up for this or that radical movement. Um, and in the 1890s, the, the farmers in Kansas got together and started a political party, took over the legislature, you know, tossed the Republicans out. It was quite dramatic. And uh, uh, their, they, their, their party was called the People's Party, but they said, you know, that's kind of a clunker of a name. We, we need to think of a better name. And one day I was, I was actually, you know, I did the research and discovered where and when they uh, they came up with the word and it was on a train traveling from Kansas City to Topeka. This is a road that uh, I've never ridden the train from Kansas City to Topeka, but I've driven that road many, 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 many times. But uh, it was on a train ride from Kansas City to Topeka. And these these guys in the People's Party were sitting around trying to come up with a with a with a name. And one of them or one of their friends uh, who spoke some Latin said, you know, the, the Latin word for people is populace. Why don't you call yourself <laughs> populists? And they were like, that's a great idea. And within within days, they had it in their newspaper. There's just some newspaper populists. The, the People's Party had a lot of newspapers, this this um, reform movement in Kansas. They had newspapers in every small town. And for whatever reason, the Kansas State Historical Society collected all those papers. And so they still exist. You can you can read them. And um, there was one in some tiny town. I mean, uh, 
like population, like 500 people or fewer than that, actually. And it, and it, they used the word populist like this is this is days after this train ride in 1891. They used the word populist with a big exclamation point, at gigantic type, you know, populist exclamation point. Are you a populist? They loved this word. They, they knew they were on to something right away. They were very proud of it. And it caught on. Uh, and it, uh, you know, the, it, it would have astonished them to learn <laughs> the way we use the word today. Basically, the meaning of it has been entirely inverted. OK, because the populist party, this this sort of rebel group in the 1890s was exactly the opposite of every, of, uh, you know, of what of what people say today. It was not a racist movement by the standards of the day. It was the opposite. Uh, you know, it wasn't. Uh, 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 well, I mean, you go through it. It was, you know, all the all the the, the you know, it wasn't authoritarian. It was deeply democratic. It was profoundly democratic. You know, they wanted to give everyone the vote. They wanted to protect the do all this stuff. They wanted to give um, they wanted, among other things, they were the first political party to demand um, women's suffrage. Uh, they had women leaders, which was extremely unusual for a political party in the eight. In fact, they did, didn't exist for in American politics in the 1890s. They were the only ones that did that. Uh, but you go on right on down the list. It was a profoundly democratic movement. But it, immediately the country, um, you know, the sort of the people who own America uh, perceived first they laughed at it. Right. They were like, this is a silly, you know, ridiculous movement coming out of Kansas, which is a ridiculous place. And uh, but by the middle of the 1890s, it was not a joke anymore. It looked like this movement of farmers and workers might actually win. How much time might is that? Sorry, from inception to significance? About five years. Wow. So they, the 1890s, when they first appear on the scene and uh, 1896 is the sort of peak moment when the country is basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, as polarized as it's possible for uh, for a democracy to get people oh. are you know uh, just so angry with one another uh they the 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 sort of the, the people who run america are turning against populism in mass and denouncing it and uh, there's this coming together of the elites should I, I should go back and tell some of the details of the story because it's kind of interesting it's kind of fun so this movement is a movement it's a it's a working it's you know they're very upfront about this. It is a it is a, a movement of working class people, meaning farmers and industrial workers, coming together against monopolies, uh, against uh, uh, the power of bankers. Uh, uh, you know, trying to demand uh, uh, you know a, a democrat, a more democratic uh, electoral system. All this stuff. This is this is what populism was about, and they wanted uh, you know serious government intervention in the economy they wanted the government to nationalize the railroads nationalize the telegraph system stuff like this um a lot of criticism of the media was involved in this they you know they were very critical of the the you know the the big new york uh newspapers of that time uh, uh, but basically it was a very familiar social democratic party it's this is at about the same time as the labor party gets going in england and in australia social democrats in germany in america this is this was the, the the this is what it was it's the same thing only they called themselves populists and um 
they uh, they go from strength to strength. Just a quick oh, uh, question: yep. Is okay. that a separate lineage then from what we would regard as the sort of the roots of communism, given that the Winter Uprising in eighteen nineteen seventeen, or is this in some way rooted in Marxist principles? It, well, it, 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 they knew who Marx was, and they would they would refer to him in their newspapers. Like I said, the populists had hundreds and hundreds of newspapers, and when you go to do research on them, that's how you do it. You read these papers. They knew who Marx was. Uh, and they would, uh, you know, they would quote him from time to time, but he was not there. What, you know, what I've learned about Marxists is that they regard Marx as this, uh, as the great genius, the man who figures everything out. Populists did not think that they were, um, that for them, the great genius was Thomas Jefferson, this, the man who wrote the Declaration of Independence and, um, and various other uh, people like that. They liked Henry George, for example. Um, there were some people associated with the British Labour Party that they really admired, but I'm, their name escapes me now, but they were not particularly Marxists uh, that you could call them socialists. That would make sense uh, in describing a lot of their leadership. Anyhow, the, they're, uh, they're a movement of farmers and workers. Uh, it's very hard times for farmers in America back then. It was like permanent hard times for farmers. And they uh, the idea was, let's figure out a way out of this and let's use um, politics to solve the problem. I mean, it makes sense, right? And the ruling elite of America, you know, like I said, first they laughed at them, but as populism went from strength to strength, and then terrible things started to happen. The economy went into a terrible um, recession. You had these gigantic strikes in America, including one that was as close to a general strike as we've ever seen. It was a railroad strike. They shut down everything. This is in 1894. And the leader of it, a guy called Eugene Debs, was a populist and then later became a, a leader of the Socialist Party in America. That's years later. Uh, there was a, the first ever March on Washington of unemployed people, also led by a populist. Uh, all of this stuff started happening. And then a uh, big election, national election year comes, 1896. Uh, the, the president at the time was a Democrat guy called Grover Cleveland. Um, the uh, Republican candidate was a guy called William McKinley. And they agreed on the important issues of the day, which were you defend banks, you defend what, what was called the gold standard. You know what this was, right? The gold standard. This was... No, it's a good time how, for you to explain that. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, uh, the American, the, the dollar was based on the price of gold at the time. So was the British pound. So were most, you know, a lot of other currencies around the world. There was a, you know, uh, universal gold standard. And uh, the problem with the gold standard is that the supply of gold doesn't increase very much. It's gold is rare. <laughs> and so the price of gold doesn't increase. And this is the 1890s. The American economy is growing by leaps and bounds. This is one of the great, you know, uh, boom periods uh, in American capitalism, or it was until the recession started. But anyhow, so the economy is growing, the American population is growing, and the money supply is staying the same. And what that means is that the the the, uh, the, the number of dollars in circulation uh, can't you know keep up with the uh, the growing economy, and so the the value of the dollar grows and grows and grows. And this is called deflation. It's the opposite of inflation, you know. And uh, deflation is uh, is something that is considered by economists to be absolutely disastrous. It crushes people who borrow, and that's most of us. And farmers in the 1890s were a debtor class. They borrowed all the time. They borrowed every year. That's just that's how it worked when you were a farmer. 
And uh, it, deflation was bad for, well, for a lot of other people as well. Anybody that borrowed, it was great for bankers, by the way. But both the Republican and the Democrat in 1896 say, no, 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 we are, we are standing solid for the gold standard. There's going to be no reform while we are in charge. Never in a million years are we going to allow any of this stuff to happen. And then something absolutely crazy happened. Like I said, this is a time of terrible strikes, terrible recession, uh, and there is radicalism brewing all over America. And the populists think this is this is our moment. We are going to you know, we are going to win, basically. And then the Democratic Party comes together for their convention in Chicago in the summer of 1896. First thing they do, they're like, we're not renominating Grover Cleveland, the sitting president of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Uh-oh. Then they say, and we're turning against the gold standard. Uh, they, they have a huge debate about it. And they say, we're, we're done with the gold standard. We, the Democratic Party, and this is one of the two traditional parties in America that's been around forever. Uh, and th- this is a shocker. And then the next day, they nominate for pr- the presidency this 36-year-old congressman from Nebraska. By the way, in the U.S. Constitution, the cutoff for running for president is you have to be 35 This guy was 36. His name was William Jennings Bryan. He's the youngest candidate any party has ever nominated in in, in American history. And he is, by the standards of the day, um, well, people thought he was a radical. Uh, He's, you know, he gives this incredible speech to the uh, to the convention about uh, about what the gold standard has done to ordinary people, uh, you know, to farmers, to workers, how it has ruined their lives. And uh, basically, it's a it's a it's a it's a defiant speech. It's really, you know, this extraordinary thing. And the convention is moved to nominate this guy for president. And um, the populists meet in their convention, uh, you know, a week or so later. And they say, well, what are we going to do? This guy just stole our, our he's stealing our language. He's stealing. This is a theme that will come up again and again. People stealing their language. He's stealing our language. He just stole our main issue, which was the the currency. You know, they wanted this currency reform. What are we going to do? Uh, and a lot of them were personal friends with this guy, William Jennings Bryan. And so they said, well, we'll nominate him also. We will join forces with the Democratic Party. And maybe we will get to choose some members of the cabinet or something like that. Uh, and and a lot of the populace say, no, 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 don't do it. Brian is not he's not one of us. He's not really a radical. He's uh, you know, he's a Democrat. We don't like the Democrats, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they do it. They make this they make this sort of deal. Uh, they're going to they're going to they're, they're going to join forces with the Democrats. They're all in on William Jennings, Bryan, And it's going to be, you know, they call it the battle of the standards. The Republicans are for the gold standard. The Democrats and the populists are for what was called free silver, a silver standard. It's a it's complicated, Russell. By the way, t- just tell me when I need to shut up. You keep going. If I'm really If enjoying. you don't stop me, I, I, I'll, I'll just talk and talk and talk. Listen, I have questions. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin.